This is Tani Talks Radio, the share where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. This week's episode has been generously sponsored for the Rafua Shalema of Chaya Rezel Bas Sara. It should be for the Rafua Shalema of Chaya Rezel Bas Sara. It also should be in the merit of the safe and healthy return of all the captives, for the Rafua Shalema of all the injured and the sick, and for the safety, protection, and success of all the soldiers and our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael. Oftentimes, when we think about different things, every generation has different things that we should try to live up to, we should try to do. It's hard in this generation especially to think about how we could sanctify our life and the life around us, especially in our times and our days. There's a lot a lot of materialism, there's a lot of selfishness, there's a lot of egotism. What can you do for me? What can you give to me? How can you help me? Me, me, me. It's the me generation. And it's very selfish and very difficult to think how we could take our aspects and our surroundings. How can we sanctify our life, sanctify the life around us, sanctify our days to make things better, sanctify this Every generation has its struggles. Every generation has its pitfalls. Every generation has its challenges. In one generation, it was Lo'alenu dying, Al-Kadesh Hashem, such as in the times of the Holocaust, with all the terrible, terrible forces of evil that was against us, or the ten martyrs during the Roman Empire. In another generation, it meant living for Shabbos, even at the cost of losing your job, i.e., if you're not going to come in on Saturday, then don't bother coming in on Monday. I believe for that, for us, for the struggle of this generation, is living day to day each day where we have to sanctify God's name in our lives, combating the moral corruption and lack of values in society and the world at large. I watched a reel the other day that was shared on one of my WhatsApp groups talking about how in every generation... There's a different mitzvah, a different thing that we had to fight for, we had to struggle for, we had to deal with. And in one generation it was talus, one generation it was tefillin, one generation it was sitzis, excuse my drink opening up. In one generation it was this, in one generation it was that, Rosh Chodesh, Brismila, this or that. In this generation you can easily tell what is the struggle, what is the difficulty. We don't care if you learn Torah, the non-Jews will say us, the anti-Semites will say to us. We don't care if you have tefillin, if you have talus, but we just cannot handle you having Israel. We cannot handle that you have Israel. <coughs> we know we cannot handle that you have a land of your own. And I believe it's not even the location of the land. I think they have a problem with us having sovereignty in our own plan anywhere, any land in the world. You know, originally Herzl, the original Zionists who had the idea for the Jews to have their own land, pitched Uganda all the way in the middle of nowhere. You know, Uganda is not Eretz Yisrael, but still I'm sure the world would have a problem with the Jews having their own land. That is this generation's mitzvah. We have to hold it dear, we have to hold it near, we have to keep them in our hearts and our minds at all times, visiting if you can. Living there is even better <coughs> for those who can. Again, I apologize for my cold. <coughs> That's one of the struggles of our generation. We have to keep it near and dear. The land of Israel, living in Eretz Yisrael, and thinking about Eretz Yisrael in our lives every single day. But this generation also, it's combating the corruption, the lack of values, the lack of morals. How could people literally stand up and idolize, literally idolize a 
terror organization that wants nothing more than to kill all Jews everywhere and then democratic countries after them. From the land to the sea is not a good chant, is not a good value, is not a good phrase at all. They literally want to wipe us off the face of the earth and people can literally stop traffic, stop the bridges and stand up for these murderers, these heinous terrorists. There's a complete lack of morals and, and Netanyahu said it best and other people said it best. It's not, you know, the moral this moral that it's literally a fight of good versus evil you literally have good versus evil if you're not standing for the jews for the jewish people the land of israel for good you're literally standing for evil you're standing for immorality you're standing for barbarism barbaric disgusting terrible terrible things and values and there's no values that they have there's such a lack of moral co of moral attitudes out there there's such a lack of values in society it's so easy to see it's so easy to see it here in winter 2023 after the savage barbaric attacks of october 7th it's so <coughs> obvious to see how bad the world is and how much support there is for terror support there is for killing jews is terrible it's horrible we're in 2023 we're not in 1930 crazy how much there's a lack of values in society. It's as if the Satan, the evil inclination, the Yitzhar was let loose on society, as Rabbi Schaefer explains in one of his schmoozes, there's a fundamental lack of morals and modesty and a lack of respect without sanctity of society for Hashem or his Torah, or any values for that matter, in all aspects of the societies of the world. We need to fix that. We need to change that. We need to be the impetus. It all starts with us, day by day, in large and small ways. The question is how to do so. How can we incorporate living a life where we don't vilify, but we actually sanctify our lives, the lives of those around us, and we make a sanctification of God's name throughout the world? I believe it can be done, especially through the little things. For example, personally, on a tiny level, I specifically purposely wear my kippah proudly at work in the public school system of New York. I currently work in a neighborhood of Jamaica of Queens. <coughs> when I enter the building, I get Excuse me, I get to my office, I take off the hat, which I wear outside for safety security reasons, but inside, we wear it proudly. I don't wear it outside on the train or walking because of the different areas I work in. But in the schools in the bar of NYC, I want the people around me to know that I'm a walking ambassador of Hashem, of the Jewish people, of the Jewish land. If I'm doing a good job, then they can reflect on the whole Jewish people, hopefully, and of Hashem himself. If I can be upright, I can be honest, I can be helpful, I can be generous, and the like at work, it can make a small difference and a small Kiddush Hashem even where I work. Also, on a side note, on a minuscule level as well, I purposefully talk Jewish aspects on my non-Jewish related podcast of Tani Talks OT. We changed the names of all the shows in the past couple of seasons. I purposefully make episodes talking about Jewish items like the Kippah, episodes related to Hanukkah, Purim, Pesach, Shavuos, and Shabbos. I talk all the time about Jewish ideals and values, of course, about Israel itself. It's a tiny way to spread the wonderfulness of Hashem and the Torah to non-Jewish specific listeners, especially using my passion for radio and audio to make a tiny difference. On another small level, my side project of my book, I try to do so as well. I show everybody all the time at work this Find Five Project. I've been working very hard on. We want to make a book. It's basically a Jewish version of Where's Waldo? And I show the Jewish items, the Jewish family, and the pictures, and I say, wow, this is really cute. This is adorable. And I hope, I hope, in the coming months, I hope, to publish it and finish it, and it's also a small, tiny level how we can make a difference on a tiny way. Of course, there are other shows, and there are things that you could do in my other shows are Jewish themes, so hopefully those podcasts make a tiny difference in the world as well, sanctifying God's name, and audio lessons related to the topics of the Parsha and Perkei Avos and 
the DAF, and of course the radio as well, and we could do what we can to make our talents used to make a tiny Kiddush Hashem. If you can do audio, do it. If you can write, do it. If you can speak for others, do it. Whatever you can do, do it for the sake of the Torah, for the sake of Hashem, making a Kiddush Hashem. You should use your talents for Hashem and the world. We each can do what we can in our own lives to try to bring a Kiddush Hashem to those around us or those we interact with on a daily basis, traveling to work or being at work. We could give up our seat to someone who needs it more. We can hold an umbrella over someone else at the bus stop in the pouring rain. We can hail a cab for someone who needs it more. There are so many ways to do so. Also on a small level, I also play the guitar, Baruch Hashem, for many, many years since I'm 10, so now I'm playing over 25 years. Thank God, it's wonderful. It's very cathartic, very beautiful on many, many levels. I got this beautiful, beautiful Martin guitar, recently sponsored by a family member, and it's the best sounding guitar ever. And, you know, two songs just came to me just today. We are now able to, you know, use it for a better sound. And a lot of my songs bring in the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel. And I can make songs and I can use music. Music is very, very powerful, very strong. And I can post the song on my podcast for people to hear it and see it. Don't be embarrassed to be true to yourself, to be a good, strong, upright Jew supporting Israel, supporting the Jewish people. When we go to get a drink from a store, or we pass the security guard of our kid's school, make the extra effort to smile, say hello, say thank you, learn their name. How are you doing today, Joe? How are you doing today, Willie? How are you doing today, Rachel? Whatever their name is, how's the family? How's your day off? What's doing? Did you have a good break? Thank you for your service. Learn their name. I also feel it's very important to learn the names and the stories of the people at work. I try to keep it. You know, in the, the back of my mind, I know this teacher has two kids, one kid has Crohn's, we should have no for such things, he has treatments and whatnot, so, Miss E, how's it going, how are your children feeling, you know, this one lives with their sister and her two, and their, and their sister's two kids, how's your niece and nephew doing, this one has two kids, ten and, and eight, how are your kids feeling, how are they doing, <coughs> Another teacher has a six and four year old. You know, if we could keep track of each thing, it's so simple, so easy to make a good difference. You just try to keep it in your mind. Oh, this one is married, has two kids, and this one is about to have their first kid, and this and this. And, you know, how was your weekend? It was really terrible. Oh, why? Tell me about it, you know. And of course, I also, you know, Baruch Hashem, I also talk about my wife and my kids all the time to the people. And when they find out that we, we, we have four kids, they're like, what? You know? good things, wonderful things, but we need to find a way to be above and beyond letting people know that there are people, the Jewish people, people of kindness, of generosity, and a love of care and concern. Smile and talk nicely to those around you. When calling customer service or an office or the like, always start off, hi, how are you today? What's your name? You know, no one ever asked me that today. I got an email a couple of months ago from Amazon when I called them for a problem of some aspect and they emailed me and they said, it's so nice speaking to you, Tani. And uh, we're, obviously they didn't say it right. And we're so happy that you, you know, you were so um, personable on the phone. Most people don't ask us our name. Most people don't ask us how we're doing. They're usually here to complain, yell, or X, Y, or Z to us. But really, you need to ask for the name of the person. Ask how they are doing today. 
<coughs> be personable, be personal, be human to them. In addition to talking to them, asking their name really can make the person feel more human, feel more respected, and a respected party on the call. It's really the little things that count. Thinking those around us that help in any way, the sanitation workers, the mailmen, public safety, firemen, the gardeners, especially while in our Jewish garb, especially wearing our kippah, it's just for men, as well as the Jewish garb for females as well, it really makes the difference. Really can make the difference. We're supposed to be a mamlachas kohan in vigoy kadosh and an orla goyim. We are supposed to be a shining example and inspiration for the world. It is no coincidence that the same has to hold true in our land of Israel with our army. No army goes to such a trouble to minimize casualties on so many levels when you literally have the enemy shooting from hospitals, shooting from, you know, children's centers, shooting from schools and, and putting materials there. It's like, Backwards. There's a beautiful picture showing how the the Jew puts the kid behind him and and tries to be an army, while the other people, the enemy, puts the kids in front of them and shoots behind them. It's a very powerful image, but it shows how backwards their morals or lack of morals are, how backwards their ethics are or lack of ethics, and how backwards their codes of conduct is. We go so far on so many levels to do what we can, and no one is held accountable as much as the Jewish people, as much as Israel. How many UN condemnations have been there throughout history? Hundreds of hundreds when there is starvation and death and genocide, literal, real genocide, real apartheid in the world, in Africa and other continents, and they only always focus on Israel. It's no coincidence that there's such a heavy, heavy focus on Israel from all these people, all the anti-Semites, because that is this generation's strong mitzvah to work on, is Israel itself. In our day-to-day lives, we can make the difference even through small gestures. When you interact and speak with others, make sure to speak in a nice way, in a gentle way, without raising your voice or causing a commotion, even if you are a right or allowed to do so. Don't make a scene. Don't make a ruckus. Don't bring shame to the Jewish people or to Hashem. Act in a way, not to, to vilify, but to, to sanctify. Think about the term, though, what it really means. JewishVirtualLibrary.org explains, Kiddush Hashem and Helul Hashem, Helul Hashem, the antithetical terms, Kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name, and Helul Hashem, or Helul Hashem, defamation of the divine name, are complementary antonyms and denote the two aspects of one of the most significant concepts in Judaism. Sanctify this. They imply, respectively, the glorification of the God of Israel and the diminution of his honor, God forbid. The specific terms are rabbinic. <coughs> Excuse me. The concept themselves, however, are biblical in origin, are included among the 613 commandments. You shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. You shall not profane my holy name. I will be hallowed among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who will hallow you. God willing, we'll see it again. But the entire people are subject to these principles, although the priests were especially cautioned to avoid Chil Hashem. It could be seen that man is responsible for God's honor in the eyes of the world. Moshe and Aaron were punished because of their failure to sanctify God's name. We see this in Bamidbar and Tavarim. God's name must be sanctified not only before the Gentiles, but in the eyes of Israel as well. Yirmiyahu accuses his countrymen of profaning God's name when they circumvent the law and emancipate their slaves only to capture and enslave them again. Amos condemned extortion from the poor and immorality as Chilil Hashem. We have to do what we can to make sure to be Mekadesh Hashem Shemaim to bring Kiddush Hashem to our lives and the lives of those around us. H.com points out from Rabbi Sachs, Satsal. 
The Pusik says in Emor, Do not desecrate my holy name. I must be sanctified among the Israelites. I am the Lord who made you holy and who brought you out of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. <coughs> the two commands are respectively the prohibition against desecrating God's name, Chelul Hashem, God forbid, and the positive corollary, Kiddush Hashem. They were commanded to sanctify God's name. The commands of Kiddush Hashem and Chelul Hashem locate that responsibility in the conduct and fate of the Jewish people. This is what Yeshaya meant when he said, you are my witness, says God, that I am God. When we behave in such a way as to evoke an admiration for Judaism as a faith and a way of life that is a Kedosh Hashem, a sanctification of God's name, when we do the opposite, God forbid, when we betray that faith and way of life, causing people to have contempt for the God of Israel, again, Chas Shalom, that is a Chilol Hashem, a desecration of God's name. When Jews behave badly, unethically, unjustly, God forbid, they cause and create a Chilol Hashem. They cause others to say, I cannot respect a religion or a God that inspires people to behave in such a way. The same applies on a much larger, more international scale. When Jews are faithful to their mission, when they <coughs> live and lead and inspire as Jews, then God's name is exalted. This is what Yeshayim meant when he said, You are my servant, Israel, whom I will be glorified. This is the logic of Kiddush Hashem and Chilol Hashem. The fate of God's name in the world is dependent on us and how we behave. No nation has ever been given a greater or more fateful responsibility, and it means that we each have a share in this task. Rabbi Goldstein Pauls points out on H.com in relation to the three teens who were brutally kidnapped and killed in 2014. In defiance of the mighty Roman Empire, which destroyed Jerusalem and our temple, Rabbi Akiva taught Torah to his disciples, for which he was arrested and brutally murdered on a bed of nails. In his last moments, when they were iron-combing his body, tragic, barbaric acts, he said the words of the Shema became one of the greatest symbols of Jewish martyrdom in history. And yet the Talmud tells us that as he was dying, the angels in the heavens cried out before God the terrible question, the Eza Torah Eza this is Torah and this is its reward. At this time of agony, thinking in 2014, and of course the agony we feel now in 2023 with the horrific barbaric attacks, the 1400 slaughter, the hundreds in captivity, and all the hundreds of soldiers that were lost and wounded, at this time of agony as then and now, as we saw the pictures of those pure shining faces of Gilad Shair, Ayal, Yefret, <coughs> and Naftali Franklin, of course, all the beautiful pictures of all the people still in captivity and all those hurt and all those wounded in the current war, we say and we sing and we think, this is Torah and this is its reward? Our Torah teaches that anyone who dies defending the mitzvahs like Rabbi Akiva or who sacrifices his life defending the Jewish people as thousands of Israel's brave soldiers have done and currently continue to do, or any Jew who is murdered merely because he or she is Jewish, like the six million martyrs of the Holocaust and the 1,400 plus who died at the brutal barbaric attacks on October 7th in 2023, these people are all considered holy. Someone who died al-Kiddush Hashem for the sanctification of God's name is someone like this. We are taught that their souls ascend to the loftiest heights of Gan Eden into the close embrace of God himself, and they become immortal heroes of Jewish destiny. These people leave the world as heroes of Am Yisrael, the Jewish people, heroes who died al Kedesh Hashem, sanctifying God's name because they were murdered for one simple reason and one reason only, and that is that they were Jewish. The last words of the murdered journalist Daniel Pearl were famously, 
My mother is Jewish. My father is Jewish. I am a Jew. Shortly after uttering these words, his abductors murdered him. Daniel Pearl was murdered for being a Jew, and he died al Kedush Hashem. All these people were murdered for being Jewish, and they died al Kedush Hashem. They joined generations of Jews, brutally murdered by enemies across thousands of years in different continents, who had one common vision, complete destruction of the Jewish people. We should never have to know from such terrible things. We should all be Zohar to only have the challenge to live for 120 years, Al-Kirash Hashem, living every day to sanctify God's name. The question is, what is an example of a story of a Kirash Hashem? Nowadays, it's not so hard to find it. Nowadays, in 2023, I commonly think about all the stories of Shai Gratcher going around Israel, going around the world, doing beautiful, wonderful things. You think about the guy who sponsored the tickets for all the reservists to come back. You think about the beautiful chesed acts that everyone's doing around Israel around the world to help the wives and moms and to help all the soldiers beautiful acts very easy to find these stories but here's a story from Chaim Goldberg on Aisha.com after an Easter visit with her parents Renee Kay was driving home to South Carolina when her pickup truck started acting funny Alert and quick thinking, a passing motorist waved her over to the shoulder where they notified her of a flat tire. Out of the car stepped Shimon and Mayer, two identifiably religious yeshiva students returning from their Pesach vacation, Passover vacation, who proceeded to help Renee change the tire. Renee was driving alone, which did not leave her husband Greg feeling at ease. You have no idea how I help. <laughs> You have no idea how helpless I felt being a couple hundred miles away and not able to really do anything, he reflected. He spoke with the guys and again with his wife, at which point he sensed a calm in Renee's voice, which helped him relax because I knew she was in good hands. And it wasn't just what they did, but how they did it. Despite being in the stressful space of that side of the highway, not having all the toys, that, tools they ideally needed, Renee and Greg noted that these generous, service-oriented boys were patient, persistent, and got the job done. We are so grateful for their positive, persistent, and gracious attitude. Renee offered to pay Shimon and Mayer, but they declined the offer. She insisted she must do something to repay them for their kindness, to which they replied to share on social media that two Jewish boys stopped to help. Renee did so, and while she is otherwise a relatively anonymous person on Facebook, this Facebook post garnered over 800 reactions and 325 shares amid a backdrop of rising anti-Semitism, way, way, way rising, 388% rising anti-Semitism in this season and winter across the country. It's nice to see some positive publicity <coughs> to help fight against the influence of negative media characterizations of religious Jews and Israel. But Shimon Amir's primary motivation was to simply do the right thing. The boys' actions on the high were inherently a sanctification of God's name. Kiddush Hashem, with the subsequent Facebook post amplifying that Kiddush Hashem further. What a noble and selfless request, they insisted their names remain anonymous as well. Renee's son declared, I vow to spread a random act of kindness in Yoel's name. Never underestimate the ripple effect you can have on people. Someone saw the story and said, look, we're the chosen people for a reason. But being the chosen people does not automatically make us special. We are chosen, we were chosen, and are chosen to be tasked with the responsibility of bringing the Divine Presence into the world by increasing awareness of God through mitzvahs, through good deeds, through sharing Torah wisdom. When we perform acts of kindness like these two boys, we are indeed worthy of the title. 
Let's learn from these two boys. Remember that as Jews, we are always serving as ambassadors for the Jewish people. There's a beautiful story. We actually just saw it in a mishmar of my kids we went to the other week. I took my two boys, three sessions in the winter, three sessions in the spring, where the, the kids in like grades one to six come, and we learn something together, and we have some pizza and some raffles. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We actually saw this story. I've heard this story many, many times before, but it's a beautiful story. <coughs> Well worth sharing again and again. Very famous story. You probably heard it before, but listen to what a beautiful Kiddush Hashem they did. Author Rea Bachner points out on H.com, In the age of Craigslist, it's not unusual to find household goods for a bargain. But for New Haven, Connecticut, Rabbi Noah Muroff, M-U-R-O-F-F, an office desk he bought through the website for 200 bucks turned out to be an investment with incredible dividends. Returning home with his purchase, Smurov and his wife found that the desk would not fit through the office door by a fraction of an inch. When they took it apart, they discovered, shockingly, a bag containing the previous owner's inheritance to the tune of $98,000. By the way, of course, it was complete Hashem's on Hashem's part that it wouldn't fit, purposely wouldn't fit through the doorway, so they would have to dismantle it, so they would have to find the money. Of course, all can orchestrated by Hashem. Rabbi Morov, a teacher at the Yeshiva of New Haven, told news station WTNH right away, my wife and I sort of looked at each other and we said, we can't keep this money. When they called the original owner to return the bag, she was stunned beyond speech. She had hidden the money in the desk and couldn't find it once it slipped behind the drawer where it, where it remained stuck. After Rabbi Morov and his wife returned the money, they received the following note from the previous owner. I cannot thank you enough for your honesty and integrity. I do not think there are too many people in this world that would have done what you did by calling me. I do like to believe that there are some still good people left in this crazy world we live in. You certainly are one of them. With a single decision that most people probably wouldn't have made, Rabbi and Mrs. Morov exemplified one of the highest Precepts of Judaism, Kiddush Hashem, the sanctification of God's name, the righteous and praiseworthy acts. When the Jewish people accepted the Torah at Mount Sinai and Harsinia, we were not only taking on the 613 commandments contained therein, we were also agreeing to act as God's representatives to the rest of the world. His PR team, so to speak, our conduct, when guided by the Torah, is meant to set an example for the rest of humanity for how we should live, for how we should go about our days each and every day. This, by the way, is the reason why the Jews get a, we as Jews get a lot of attention when we slip up and why the media works so hard to vilify us, especially in our current crazy times. When the press reported the Bernie Madoff scandal, for example, nine articles out of ten included the detail that he was a Jew. It's an interesting piece of information, but it really is not pertinent to the story at all. Including in it, functioned mostly to throw stones at the Jews. Every day the false messages spread across the world that Israel is an apartheid state, a genocidal state, which of course is not true at any level. Though we abuse our own citizens and other perpetrators of crimes against human rights, the rest of the world benefits from our bad press because it means the bar for behavior is lowered. But every act of Kiddush Hashem we do has the tremendous power to offset these negative messages. <laughs> and to imbue the world around us with holiness. Every time we make the choice to act with decency, kindness, and respect, every time we do the right thing, even when it's hard, we are showing the world what human beings are truly capable of. And in the age of social media, this message can reverberate around the world. Think about Mayor Kay, a Jewish religious or internet personality who makes inspirational videos about love and peace. 
His website is mayorkay.com, M-E-I-R-K-A-Y-E.com. As Wikipedia explains, he's on Wikipedia. Mayor Kalmanson, better known by stage name Mayor Kay, is an American internet personality best noted and best known for his inspirational vlogs, video logs, video blogs, and interviews on YouTube, which have amassed over 350 million views and his social media presence with upwards of 1 million followers. He is known for his interviews with inspirational people and vlogs where he posts <coughs> updates about obscure places, including a Bolivian mine and while rafting down the Amazon. He makes YouTube videos showcasing random acts of kindness. He has many videos, including some about gratitude and the craziest way to give a hug. Here's a few examples. A valuable lesson for a happier life. One of his most popular videos, viewed on Facebook more than 270 million times on his page alone, in the video, a professor gives an important lesson about time and management focusing on the important things in life. The professor takes out an empty jar, fills it with golf balls, then pebbles, and then sand, and finally beer. Every time he fills the jar with something, he asks the students if the jar appears full. Inevitably, the answer yes, only to be proven wrong as each new element is added. The video was uploaded in 2016 and was translated to many languages. And during an interview, Mayer said that his goal is to spread joy, positivity, and inspiration for others to pass on kindness through the videos that he creates. In another video, kids decide between helping the homeless or ice cream. Mayor Kay was seen as an ice cream van and gave children a dollar to observe how they went about spending it. The video was uploaded on 2015, got millions of views. The video was noticed by several media houses singing kids give money to homeless people instead of buying ice cream for themselves how beautiful another video the most generous boy in the world was posted in 2017 got more than a few million views it features him playing a waiter in a food chain where a kid comes with limited money and couldn't order what he wanted he orders an ice cream and left a thank you note with the tip and then five five new york posted on 2014 used to be the most popular video was in it he's seen giving a high five to people to the people who stuck out their hands to hail a taxi in new york city in another video more recently called the blindfold hug experiment when he wrote on an oak tank that he was jewish and stood for peace and wants to give hugs to those who agree while wearing a given since as many people actually did give him a hug he explains this is by far one of my most meaningful videos where I was able to truly drop in and be with my fellow humans. With such a rise in anti-Semitism and attacks on minority groups in general, you take to the streets to stand for peace, for understanding and connection. And there were many honest and open conversations which reminded that there are more in common than, than is led to belief, love and respect one another. Make the world much more peaceful, much more brighter together, which is in a beautiful example of an ordinary person doing extraordinary things and making a Kiddush Hashem in simple ways in the process. Yatidna Amman, Yatid.com, shows another wonderful story by Malky Lowinger. The New York City subway system can be a bleak, dreary place, but on one Thursday night, it positively glowed with kindness and goodwill. That's when Isaac Thale, a middle-aged from Jew who lives in Brooklyn, allowed a young African-American gentleman to rest his weary head on his shoulder. When a fellow passenger offered to wake the young man, as was clearly uncomfortable for the Athel, he answered, he had a long day, so let him sleep. We've all been there, right? When the Q train finally reached Newkirk Avenue, Thiel stopped. He gently woke the young man and disembarked. And that would have been the end of that, except that one of Thiel's fellow writers was so impressed with what he saw, he took a picture on his cell phone and posted it on social media. It was the beginning of a media sensation. Something about the sight of a Jewish man caring for a young black man in the hoodie on the subway tugged at the heartstrings of just about anyone who saw the picture. The picture gained in popularity was shared on the internet and was eventually discovered by the media. 
One thing led to another until Isaac Thale became a worldwide celebrity, eliciting comments of praise and approval from virtually everyone. Because his Yamaka identified him as Jewish, he also became the source of a first-class Kiddush Hashem. A New York Daily News columnist wrote, Isaac Thale was just trying to help out a fellow New Yorker. A photo has made the Orthodox Jew a global celebrity. Huffington Post headline stated, Sleeping stranger subway pick defines empathy and is a lesson in being good. And from the Gothamist, strap hangers napping on a stranger's shoulder renews faith in humanity. At one count, 1.3 million people expressed approval of the subway picture, and that number is only a fraction of the millions who have actually seen it. In a world where the news is mostly negative and terrible, and the media generally focuses on scales and misfortune, the simple story of Isaac and his fellow subway rider made a powerful impact. Sometimes it doesn't cost anything to make Giddush Hashem. Sometimes it's just a kind heart, an empathetic mindset, and a comfortable shoulder are all it takes to do so. Ishtar points out with author Rabbi Horan, Rabbi Friedman, Rabbi Kerry Friedman used to be a congressional rabbi in Linden, New Jersey. One time he was delivering a eulogy at the request of a local funeral home. As customary is in such instances, he agreed as long as the burial was done strictly according to Jewish law. Since the departed of his family were unaffiliated Jews, Rabbi Freeman kept the speech fairly simple, offering the family much comfort by speaking in universal terms that everyone could understand. As a service concluded, a man approached Rabbi Freeman and introduced himself as a friend of the family who had come to pay his respects and a senior officer in the FBI. He was very impressed, and he was wondering if you could duplicate it on a regular basis. Then I think you're the man you've been looking for when he said he could. We need someone to teach spirituality at the FBI Academy. Can you imagine? What does the FBI need to learn about it? So intrigued by the challenge, he consulted with a rabbi who pointed out that the legal system fulfills a, one of the seven Noahide laws providing courts. Therefore, it's a mitzvah to continue to do so, and it would be a condition of Kiddush, Kiddush Hashem. Rabbi Freeman accepted the job, and then he was involved in extensive training at both the FBI and the National Academies in Virginia. He studied things for months, the training methods and the officers. He put together a curriculum. He wanted to make a curriculum that everyone would have the ability to handle problems that arise. He thought to himself, what is the reason that they're in the job to begin with? They want to protect and serve, and only your spirituality can help that. So then he made a curriculum a year later called Spiritual Survival for Law Enforcement, and the book has been greatly received, has great success. Many people give it to their graduates. The New Orleans Police Department, for example, give a thousand copies to their officers. He explains how a belief in God and that the world in truth is in truth essentially a good, safe place. He points out that every accident or crime scene shows the evil of the world, but you can also know how much good is present. Namely, all the helpful emergency workers and concerned bystanders who are there doing whatever they can to help. It's all about outlook and perspective. How do you view? How do you view the cup? How do you view the world? Is half full or half empty? Are you an optimist looking for the good, or a pessimist only seeing the bad? Rabbi Freeman talks about how we're dealing, how you have to deal with them, give them the spiritual interventions, the spiritual resolve to do what they can in any way, which is a beautiful, really shining example of Kiddush Hashem, among other shining examples of true Kiddush Hashem. A person can utilize their talents to shine a little light on the world and sanctify God's name in the process. You should use your voice, you should use your words, you should use your abilities, you should use your capabilities, you should use your talents to make the world a little more peaceful, a little more beautiful, a little more godly. It will go a long way, and the effects could be held and found all of the way in all of our life.
We need to do what we can to make sure that we bring Kiddush Hashem to the world to sanctify this, to sanctify that, to do what we can to really make the world a better place. Because our main job, really, in life, of course, is mitzvot and Torah and chesed. But one of our main jobs in life is really to sanctify Hashem and His Torah through a beautiful life of mitzvot, learning, and chesed. We should realize that we each are a walking ambassador for Hashem. The Jewish people and the Jewish land of Israel <coughs> understand this and know this. Watch what you do. Watch what you say, especially with the kippah on your head and the tzitzis on your car. People are watching you and judging you, hopefully learning good things from you. Make sure you walk around like a royal prince or princess with proper attire and action and behavior as we are the children of Hashem and the ambassadors of Hashem, the children of Hashem, meaning we are princes and princesses of Hashem as the king, which he is. We should dress and act as such, bringing glory to His name and His presence. We must be prepared to give our all for Hashem, even our resources and our very life. God forbid, if it is demanded of us, we should never know from such things. How much more so we must give up our time and our days and our living days, God willing, of 120 years, every single day, for Hashem and His Torah, influencing those around us for good and to do good and to be good in all that we can in all aspects of our life. Realize what's really important in this world, what really brings sanctification in this world. It's not about a big house. It's not about a grand car. It's the morals and the values of the people living in the modest homes and modest cars, living an authentic Jewish lifestyle, sanctifying God's name. Doing mitzvahs, learning Torah, being kind, being compassionate and loving is the best way to really sanctify God's name in this world. <coughs> really the best way to sanctify God's name in this world. On some level, living a life like Kiddush Hashem is harder than giving of a person's life as one is a constant obligation every day while the other one is a one-time excruciating difficult decision that no one should ever have to make. Make sure to live every single day doing something to sanctify God's name, the Torah we so love in the wonderful land of Israel and the Jewish people. Every single one of us are important effectors that can have large consequences and ripples across the whole world. We each have immense power to do good and sanctify God's name. Think about frogs from the Makos. Frogs can do the will of Hashem to jump into a furnace, a fiery furnace. How much more so Allah has come must we do so? during our life to live sanctifying God's name every single day. We must endure flames in life, such as the flames of embarrassment and the flames of pity, different types of flames, to do what we can to avoid any embarrassment to Hashem or the Torah, God forbid, to prevent any desecration of the name of Hashem, God forbid. Any mitzvah or any Torah learning we do, we push ourselves for, we sacrifice for, will stay with us and be with us and protect us and can help us to sanctify God's name and make sure your heart is pure to follow Hashem in His ways with all aspects of your body and your being to sanctify Hashem with whatever possible way to influence good things for those around us. We have the power. We have the capability. We have the ability to do what we can to really push light and good and kindness into the world, to do what we can to be shining ambassadors for Hashem. What can we do? Taking our talents, taking our capabilities, taking our abilities and our special strengths in this world to bring good to this world, to do good in this world, and to bring only wonderful thing in this world. Again, every generation 
has its pitfalls, has its struggles, has its thing. This generation for sure is Israel itself, standing up for Israel, doing what we can for Israel, and to shine a beautiful light on Israel, and of course also Kedesh Hashem, to do what we can to be the impetus, to bring the respect and the morals into this world, into society where it's so lacking, especially when people blindly follow evil, blindly follow hate, blindly follow terrible terrorism and barbaric people and acts and terrible things. But we could do what we can on our small levels to impact a difference, to impart a difference. Walking with your keeper proudly in your work site, walking with your keeper proudly in your school or your site or wherever you work in your office, doing what you can to be an ambassador of Hashem. I want you to sanctify this. I want me to sanctify this. We should all do what we can to be involved in sanctifying this. We have to sanctify Hashem. We have to sanctify this life. We have to do what we can to sanctify all aspects of this world, which we can do through Torah, through Mitzvahs and Chesed. Ask your crossing guard, ask your security guard, ask your barista, ask your garbage man their name, how are they doing, thank you so much for your help, interact with them, give them a name, give them the time of day, walk around with that keeper, do what we can to contribute to the world a little bit, to give to the world a little bit, to be a shining example to this world a little bit. It doesn't take rocket science, it doesn't take craziness, crazy things to contribute to the world, to give to the world, to do for this world, to bring wonderful goodness, wonderful light, and wonderful warmth to this world. Learn from these beautiful examples, passing by a car and changing the tire for them. Thinking about bringing spirituality to these non-Jewish people, sanctifying God's name in whatever you can. Thinking about people who give up their life for Kiddush Hashem, but to live a Kiddush Hashem is even better on some level finding a pitfall of a huge amount of money and giving it back, no questions asked, not even having a havamina, beautiful things, being a personality, an internet personality, doing good and bringing goodness to the world. What can we do in our lives to shine bright, to sanctify this, to sanctify that, to bring sanctification to God's name and to the Jewish people around us and to the whole world at large? Again, the shir should be a zuchus for the refuah of Chaya Rezal Abbas Asara, and of course it should be a Yeshua and a refuah to all those who need it, and it should be in the merit of the safe and the healthy return of all the captives, every single one, for the refuah of all the injured and sick, every single one, for the safety, protection, and success of every single soldier, and every single one of our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, we should be Zochem to only know from good things, to only hear from good things, and to be participating in only wonderful Kedusha Hashem, sanctifying God's name every single day in many different ways. This has been Tani Talks Radio, where we talk about a topic for the week for the audience members to keep. And I'm your host, Tani. <laughs>